This is episode 42 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden, the resident intuitive healer and witch at sensitivityuncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help all of us evolve out of the limiting patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hello, dear ones, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for listening. I'm back after kind of a month hiatus, um, exactly a month hiatus, uh, moon to moon, actually, because I did not put out a podcast at the full moon. And maybe you noticed, maybe you did not notice. I noticed, (laughs) and I noticed that I was beating myself up about it. Um, but if you're here and you're listening now, I appreciate it. So I, you know, I, I apologize. I apologize for not putting out the podcast on the moon that I promised that I was going to put out. And I could tell you about my reasons. So here, here's what happened. I could tell you about how the day we got back from vacation, the day that I sit down to uh, record the podcast, <clears throat> We have arborists show up at my house, and for two days straight, a wood chipper, a tree chipper, is outside of my window. That actually happened. And then it was the full moon, and I was trying to put something out, and every time I sat down to put something out, it felt like I was pushing a boulder up a hill. It felt like I had nothing to say. And I was talking with my spiritual group, my my sisters, who I, we, we call ourselves the coven. <laughs> like, you know, we're the first women in history to do that, right? Um, and I was saying, well, I can't just talk about not having anything to talk about. And they all kind of looked at me and they went, can't you? Are you sure you can't talk about not having anything to talk about? Because we're pretty sure you could make a show out of that. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, although I have formulated formulated it into um, a show on signs and synchronicities. But let's get us seated, shall we? Welcome to the new moon. If you're in uh, in the United States or in this North American area, you've woken up to a new moon in Aries. It happened early, early hours of the morning on Friday, April 5th, and our new moon is in Aries. So new moon is always that, that you know, new beginnings, planting new intentions, uh, the, the, the dark part of the moon where we go inside, where the collective energy is a bit withdrawn. Aries wants to have uh, wants to have immediate results. Wants to have um, you know quick actions, immediate results. Um, they want to take. We we might feel like um, uh, undertaking things that that prioritize ourself um, and that that add to our sense of self and personality. We might feel like taking or beginning kind of short term projects. 
And I mean, Aries is that first sign in the zodiac, so we can um, feel motivated to start something new. So this is kind of a lovely place for the new moon to to fall. And particularly if you are out there building a business or trying something new, something that hasn't been done before, new moon in Aries is a really good time to experiment with your pioneering skills. So something I talk to people in my field about all the time, particularly those I'm mentoring is, you know, it's like, hey, you're pioneering here. Nobody is doing exactly what you're doing. So you've just got to try it. And new moon in Aries is a really good time to set those intentions and to actually try something new. We may feel a little bit impulsive. And for, for those of us who aren't used to feeling impulsive or just kind of, you know, having a spaghetti day where you're just throwing things against the wall and seeing kind of what sticks it can feel it can feel a little reckless but this is this is a really good energy to really just try things out and see what fits we've been and and as i'm recording this it is wednesday april 3rd and as we're recording this, we're in this Pisces moon, which is my favorite um, sign for the moon to be in. That's where my natal moon is. And so this is where we're just getting all of these um, lovely, delicious, magical bits of information that probably don't make a ton of sense. And, you know, where we're kind of like to be steeped in um, kind of a non, non-reality, non a romanticized version of reality. So I've been talking to a lot of friends and students about being seeped in the second season of the OA or, you know, just or off reading a book that we're not sure if we're there or we're here. You know, that's that 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 beautiful liminal space that the Piscean moon brings. And now we're going into to this Aries new moon. And it's like, okay, let's get shit done now. Whew. So welcome to the new moon everybody. That's the collective energy we have. And I've just been noticing for myself that my cycles, my menstrual cycles have, I have, I have fairly regular menstrual cycles, but they are shorter than the moon cycle. And so as the year has progressed in the, in the very beginning of the year, I was cycling along with the moon. I was bleeding during the new moon and I was ovulating during the full moon. And now I'm, I'm switched. I'm ovulating during the new moon and I'm bleeding during the full moon. And, you know, I'm just noticing that and noticing the bit of tension that that causes, where I feel both energies at play. So right now with the new moon, that's the collective energy. And I can sense that I can sense that that's what's available to me. But inside of my body and that microcosm that is my body, it's kind of going like, hey, let's go out. Let's chat with people. Let's go do this thing. Let's (laughs) shine the spotlight on me. Um, and, and I notice when I'm ovulating, I get more attention and, and I don't mean that in any sort of, um, you know, braggy way, but more people will be more friendly towards me. More people are more, more likely to strike up conversations with me, call it biology, call it pheromones, call it strange coincidences or me reading too much into stuff, but that's kind of what I notice. And so it, you know, if you are out there tracking in the moon cycles and you're noticing kind of where your menstrual cycle falls on that, when they are opposite like that, yes, there are steps you can take to try to sync them. And you can also just notice the tension and learn to work with that. 
Um, and I don't feel like this is a negative tension. It's just something that I notice. So, you know, at the full moon, as I'm trying to put that podcast out, you know, the, my energy, my microcosm was internal, 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 you know, bleeding, letting go, what comes next, figure it out. And it just felt kind of impossible to get something out that was meaningful. And now, even though I have about the same amount of material, you know, being at this different place on my in my cycle, it feels a little bit more easy to get a message out there. So just things that you notice when you track the moon in your menstrual cycles. Before I forget, thank you to all of my patrons out there. Thank you for all of you who are supporting this podcast, who are making donations on Patreon, for those of you who are reviewing this podcast, who are sharing it with people, for those of you who are inside of the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, and for those of you who are helping support all of my free work, my effort that goes into producing free materials for those of you, any of you who want to join the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. In fact, on this new moon, we are going to be starting um, a bit of a, a loosely guided signs and synchronicities tracking. Um, we decided in the last weekly touchstone, as we were all kind of sharing about the different signs and synchronicities we've been noticing, that it would be fun to have some guidance on that. So if you are interested in being part of that, join the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion. We are talking about the OA right now. We are talking about signs and synchronicities, and we're going to be doing some um, loose guidance and just kind of collective sharing on what's going on in our lives and strengthening our um, sensitivity to magic, to the subtle and to the unseen. And m moreover, I mean, we're already sensitive, we can sense that, but learning to trust it and learning to get the mind out of the way, because my God, you guys, the thoughts blocking us from trusting those signs, that magic, the messages that we're receiving. If there is one theme that's come up in the last couple of weeks from almost all of my clients and my students, it's been, oh, but I just don't know. I just don't think my thoughts say this when all of the other evidence points to the contrary. All of the evidence and everyone I'm working with is saying, this is it. This is the path. You've got this. Go here. Do this next. And then one little thing catches them as like, oh, that's not quite the easiest door to open. And the thoughts come in and say, see, I told you so. We can't be magic. We must follow the status quo. Blah, 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 blah. Patriarchy's real. And we believe them. We believe our thoughts. So join us in the refuge, signs and synchronicity tracking. And as we, as I talk a little bit more through this podcast, you'll understand what I mean by that. But join us in the refuge, sign or the link will be in the um, show notes. My work is changing. And, and I kind of started off this year by going, things are going to be a little different this year. We're going to be going into these moon cycles. We're going to be, you know, talk, uh, connecting more to natural rhythms. And doors have been opening in ways that I did not expect them to open. And moreover, what I also didn't expect was that other doors would be closing 
for me. When I first stepped onto a real spiritual path, meaning a path in which I trusted spirit to guide me, I understood that it would, you know, it would be kind of a magical path. But what I didn't understand is that it's really hard to step off. (laughs) And not that I want to, I don't want to. But something that happens that doesn't get talked a lot about, honestly, is that when we step onto a spiritual path, it's not all rainbows and unicorn farts and glitter and manifestation and all of our dreams coming true. When we step onto a spiritual path, it means we will go deeper and deeper and deeper. We will start to learn about the depths of our soul our deeper longings, our inherent gifts, memories of soul times and lifetimes and uh, places that I would say that we would call other dimensions. Um, We start to, you know, if, if we honor that path, we start to know those things. And when we start to know those things, they come piece by piece. Like our intuition never sits us down and goes, okay, here's the plan. Are you listening? We're going to do A, B, C, and then we're going to get to D, and then we'll take a little bit of a detour and we'll jump on down to M, and then we'll hang or write. Like, no, intuition doesn't do this. It goes, here you go. It whispers. It says, here's the step. Did you notice that? Did you notice that thing I showed you today? Write it down. The next step is coming. And the next step is coming. And the next side. And the next sign. And then it becomes a synchronicity. And then we act. And then we get the next piece. And all of a sudden, the thing that we were doing before, the thing that seemed so important is not important anymore because this other thing is holding our attention. And as we look behind us to those things that once were, we see, oh, that door's closing. Oh, that was just a stop along this path that is the spiraling into me. This has been probably more of a journey or a growing year than I have had since, oh, maybe 2000 and between, oh, like my Saturn return, like between 2010, 2012, where I kind of fully, you know, really fully stepped onto the path. I would say before that, I was on it, but I was still, you know, I've talked about this before. I was on it, but I kind of had one foot on it. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I'll listen if I, you know, if it feels okay. You know, if I, I'm not too scared, then I'll listen to what you have to say, <laughs> right? Um, like if my ego's not too uncomfortable, I will listen to what the spirits have to say. And now um, I'm on it. And when you're on it, you accept the confusion that comes. You accept the times of not knowing. And I'm in a really big time of not knowing right now. Um, it's becoming clear that this incredible school that I built that I've been teaching for the last, it's only been the last year and a half, but it's clear that that's that's not it for me anymore. And those courses that you may have been excited about may go away. And I understand that there is going to be disappointment about that. I'm a little disappointed about that. I love teaching those. 
And when I think about them now, you know, last year it felt like running through a field of wildflowers to teach those courses. And now it feels a little bit like a boulder, pushing a boulder up a hill. Because I can see that something else is coming, something deeper. And even how I am in sessions, in my client sessions, is shifting. And so part of my, you know, part of the hesitancy with putting out a podcast last week was like, I have nothing to say. I am sitting in the confusion. That's just where I am right now. And so I just want to validate that if those of you out there listening, when you are on a spiritual path and you get in those places of complete confusion, please know that your teachers go there too, that they spend time there as well that you are not the only one, that you're not doing something wrong because you're there, that is the nature of intuition. That is the nature of the spiritual path. You will get into those places. Sometimes we call them dark nights of the soul. Sometimes we say, my shit is up. (laughs) Sometimes we say, I am in the place of not knowing. And I have been in this place of not knowing where I feel like I'm in the center of a cave with um, all these tunnels around me and I don't know which way is out yet. I, I know that the answer will come, but I'm just sitting here going, yep, don't know which way to go yet. Don't know where we're going. You know, it's like that scene in season two of the OA where they're in the mirror room. And if you've watched season two of the OA, I'm just going to keep dropping it because, oh, my God, watch the OA. It's like that that scene where they're, you know, with the mirror and they're hallucinating. They don't know which way to go. Yeah, I haven't been hallucinating, but I have been dreaming a lot and a lot. And my vision continues to be expanded and my space um, moving between the worlds has um, increased quite a bit. You can ask me about that later. So let's let's talk a little bit more about signs and synchronicities, um, because I think this is really important. When we are on a spiritual path, part of the way that we that we know which way to go are through the signs and synchronicities. You could say that this is how the gods speak to us. That would be kind of the old way of saying it. You know, as I'm I'm currently digging into my my Norse ancestry by studying the runes, studying the northern, I'm going to be studying the northern shamanic path. I'm studying the language of Old Norse, myth, uh, magic, that sort of a thing. Uh, you know, and that's kind of the way that it would have been said is that, you know, that's how the gods speak to us. Well, you know, whether the gods are outside of us or are a part of our higher self is up for debate. So the other way that that I would say it is the way that our spirit, the way that our spirit, our spirit guides, our allies, our well and bright and healthy ancestors, the way that we are spoken to by the powers greater than us or the allied powers to us. They speak through signs and synchronicities. You know, unless we're in like, uh, well, I would say even if we are in a journey that kind of speak through um, metaphor, even if we are reading the aura, they're in metaphor, um, but they can speak to us more directly in those more liminal spaces. Um, But in this dimension, you know, in Midgard, on the earth, how they speak to us are through signs and synchronicities. So let's talk about these. So what what is a sign? 
And what is a synchronicity? Okay. Signs are things that, that kind of show up in life that we notice and that if we take action on can guide us down a, a different, different paths. Okay. So signs can just be things that we notice throughout the day. So for example, um, you could notice that there is a heart-shaped cloud in the sky. And then you happen to be walking on the beach and notice a heart-shaped rock. And then maybe that night you, you know, spend time with somebody you love. If we listen, if we, if we pay attention to a sign, if we pay attention to what spirit is telling us, if we say, thank you, I got it, we will get more signs. We will be led to more. Usually, I say we may be led to more. If we don't pay attention, then, then, we're, then we're not paying attention. We're not being guided to anything else. Typically, if we are listening to signs, then those signs can turn into synchronicities. And that's when we notice, you know, a, like two or more signs that, um, that guide us to take an action or inspire us to take an action. So let me give you an, a recent example of this. Okay, recent example. Uh, last summer, I was working on healing my ancestral lineage. And my ancestors kept showing me how they were using stones for divination. And I was like, okay, cool. You, <laughs> The picture was like, we're sitting by the water and we're like using these stones. And I was like, that's really cool. I do no, not know what you mean. And finally, they they were like, they're runes, Anna. And I was like, oh, okay, they're runes. And they, they said, we'd like you to get some runes. I was like, great. So I got these runes. Runes are kind of hard to learn. So I kind of, I basically played with them. My son and I played with them and then I set them in my altar and I just said, you know, I'm listening ancestors, but I don't get it. You're going to have to be more clear than that. But that felt like a sign. Okay. Ancestors. Talk about runes. Great. Then I just start noticing more rune pictures on Instagram. Like, oh, that person's doing runes. That person's doing runes. Cool. Then my student says, by the way, I met the shaman named Jeremy, who was on the last podcast, who um, does rune readings. So let's go do rune readings. So I go and do a get a rune reading from Jeremy. And then he refers back to, hey, there's something in your ancestry that needs to be addressed. So then I go back to the ancestors. So there's two signs. The ancestors lead me to, Jer- to the runes. The runes lead me back to the ancestors. Literally, I finish that session and I'm driving back from my house. It's about 45 minutes from Seattle. And I'm, I'm just like, what podcast do I want to listen to? I choose a random podcast that I don't listen to very often. And I'm introduced to a woman who does ancestral work and Norse shamanism and Sather. And so I have to contact her. And then, so, so those, that's an example of signs leading to uh, the synchronicity. They, they, they inspired me to take action was, I need to contact this woman. 
And as I, I contacted that woman, I am now taking some classes from her. They have referred back to my runes and, and then it keeps going and going and going. And when you find, you know, if you're listening to the signs and you are taking action on the synchronicities, then what I've noticed for me is that I'll often go through periods where they speed up. It's like, and then boom, 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 boom. Things happen kind of quickly. My dreams start to change. Um, the things that I notice during the course of the day are different. Um, there have been many things that have come out of just those signs and synchronicities that I just told you about, uh, but I don't want to cover all of that here. So there's a, um, so Carl Jung defines synchronicity as like a meaningful coincidence. You know, something that, you know, when we see a sign, we associate something with that. So for example, yesterday, here's another sign. I was, I had, I, I had been practicing my old Norse pronunciation and I was going through um, the runes that I'd been learning, just kind of running through their names. And I was taking my son to daycare and I was saying, you know, Fehu, Uretz, Duretz, Ansas, and, you know, working through the, um, or Ansu's working through the names, and I pulled out on the road and looked at. They had redone the the lines, you know. They'd repainted the lines, and I'm on a, a four lane four lane um, highway with a median in the middle. And I look up at this hill that I'm approaching, and that middle yellow line is painted in the shape of Urats. And I knew that Urats the buffalo that I met in a journey, was giving me a sign for that day. There was information for me there. So as we pay attention to signs, we get more. So synchronicities mean, you know, kind of more than, more than one sign that has meaning for us. Scientifically, synchronicity is called apophenia. <laughs> which is the experience of seeing a false seeing false patterns in random or meaningless data. Now science would probably look at synchronicity in general as apophenia. Right? That like none of those things make sense. It's a form of cognitive bias. Um you're just making things up. That's what the patriarchy wants us to believe. <laughs> I mean, no, that's that's me being a little bit um you know, tongue in cheek, but um, when we live a spiritual life, and as a highly sensitive person, you know there's more. You know there's more. But let's be clear, synchronicity and apophenia both exist. We can follow meaningless patterns, particularly when our mind is unclear, if we have unprocessed emotions, or if we are not neutral to the path. So basically, if our ego or our worried mind or just our mind have taken over, if we don't have practices to keep those things clear, then we are, um, I don't want to say in danger, but we are more prone to apophenia. And I've seen this happen to myself in periods where I'm um, emotionally enamored with something, or I have um, had a huge amount of grief. A and in those times, I am desperate for a pattern. I'm desperate for a sign or a synchronicity. And so I am looking for things that may or may not be there. 
one of the ways that I understand the difference for me is that when I am looking for signs, like my brow is creased and, you know, I've got that little frown and I'm like looking at the woods or I'm looking at, you know, the forest with like, show me a goddamn sign. That's my ego. And really what that is, is, you know, the product of the ego are the thoughts. And that's, that's my ego kind of going wild and saying, give me validation. Show me that all of this fear and this doubt that I have is wrong and show me now because I can't handle how painful it is. But that's not surrender. You know, that's different than when we say, wow, I am out of my depth. I surrender. I give it up. <sighs> when, we, when I am too heavily searching for signs, I'm basically blinded. I'm blinded by my own ego. I'm trying too hard. Anyone who's been in my clairvoyant training or in any clairvoyant training knows that when you try too hard to see something, you won't see a thing. But the trap of apophenia, and this is where I think most of our culture is, is to refuse to accept valid connections that lead to you know, important insights that connect us to ourself, that connect us to ourself and then improve the choices we make, right? So, so that's, that's where I think most, most of us, most, maybe not most of us listening to this podcast, I think most of us listening to this podcast are working to, to be in that place of signs and synchronicities, to listen, so we're going to talk about, you know, how, how do we, how do we tell the difference? How do we tell the difference between synchronicity and apophenia? And that's what I was just describing. It's a lived experience. It's a practice and it's a lived experience. I know that if I am not neutral, if I'm not neutral, if I'm in a place of kind of emotional duress or I'm really wanting something to happen, I can't trust that the signs and synchronicities that I'm seeing are real. When I am open to learning, when I am a student of spirit, when I am just there to see what is put in front of me, I can be eager. I can be an eager student. Hey, show me what's next. Or like, would you show me what's next? I need to see what I'm going to offer next fall. But hey, no worries. Take your time. You know, even that, I can kind of trust what's coming. Because it's not like I'm out there looking. It's like I'm flipping through the magazine pages of life. And lo and behold, there's that thing. So I know that when signs show up to me, I'm not looking for them, but they just show up and they, it's like I'm struck by them. You know, I'm not digging for them. I am struck by them. That that's a sign and a synchronicity to follow. In order to avoid that kind of apophenia, we need to keep a clear mind. We need to have practices for both moving our emotions, not just both. So for all of the above, for, for moving our emotions, having a, 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 um, 
a good emotional practice, having emotional intelligence, working with our emotions, not repressing them, not engaging in destructive behaviors around our emotions, um, but processing them, learning about ourselves, taking responsibility for which is ours, making the appropriate changes, right? Kind of like psychology 101, you know, working on ourselves to be better, be in better relationships, that's, you know, when we're good at that, when we have a meditation practice that helps us see that our thoughts are not us. This is the place where I was saying earlier that my clients were running into. My practice in this is um, in the yoga world, you know, having come from, um, you know, the practice of learning to be a witness to your own thoughts. In my free Intuition Lives mini course, which is also in the Refuge for Sacred Rebellion, which you can access at any time, I talk about how the mind works. I talk about how in kind of yoga and Ayurvedic uh, philosophy, the layers of the mind come together where that lower level of the mind, which uh, the pro- is the product of the ego, which are the thoughts, they just repeat patterns of the past and fear. That's all our thoughts are. Those thoughts that just kind of run, you know, in the day-to-day. You know, just just like, oh, but then there's that, and then there's that, and oh, I should probably pick up milk, and like, why can't I get baby shark out of my head, and like, blah, 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 blah. It's just the ego. That's all it is. And when we get worried, those thoughts tend to get louder. Our ego tends to get louder. It says, things are really threatening my sense of self right now. (laughs) and if we have been conditioned which we are naturally to believe our thoughts then our mind is not really clear to look for signs and synchronicities we're going to look for something that gives us relief and spiritual signs and synchronicities don't necessarily give us relief in fact they tend to bring about big changes Because signs and synchronicities, their goal is to take you deeper into yourself. Spirit's goal, the goal of the gods, is to take you deeper into yourself. To help you understand deeper, deeper meaning of your mission, I would call it. You know, your mission on earth, your goals, your, your deepest desires. If you're in service here you know, what you're connected to. So having kind of a healthy personal practice, having um, a healthy meditation practice, all of those things can be really, really helpful. There are other things that can help you um, keep a clear system for signs and synchronicities. You know, gosh, there's so many, You, you know, you can work with energy. You can work with spiritual paths that, you know, that help you with these things. You can pay attention to your dreams. You can pray, you know, which is basically sharing a mantra relating to the greater universe. Um, And then the other thing is, is uh, tracking. So this is what we're going to be doing in the refuge, tracking signs and synchronicities. 
it's not only a way for us to keep track of all the stuff that's coming, because, you know, if you kind of start to go deep, if if spirit is taking you on a deep journey, like the one that I feel like in now, it, it um, you know, talking to my my uh, woman in my spiritual group, she says, Anna, this sounds like an initiation. And that just hit me. It was like, it does feel like an initiation. It feels like something new is coming. Um, so if you get in that deep place where so much is, co- like there's so much coming out me and it all relates, write them down. Write them down. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a fancy place to write them down. I think I told you about the book of days that I got to kind of keep track of the daily stuff. You know, in the book of days, they have a spot for to do and how you're feeling and blah, blah, blah. I just wrote over the whole thing, everything that's going on. And I took another page and I I drew the pictures. I drew some of the signs that I was seeing. I uh, watercolored them. I got it out of my system. It's like, um, you know, it's like spring cleaning, like get it out, get it onto paper that grounds it. Um, Something that I want to play with is actually mind mapping signs. You know, so mind mapping is where you write it down, draw a circle around it, write down something else, draw a circle, connect what connects. You can start to understand how things connect a little bit more. So I'm not going to speak for too much more on signs and synchronicities, but I think they're a really, really powerful tool for connecting us with spirit, for connecting us with this path. And it may be obvious to you, but I'm going to say it if it's not obvious for you or if you need to hear it. Why is it important for highly sensitive people to be on this spiritual path or to be connecting with their signs and synchronicities? Now, I'm not going to say that everyone needs to be on a spiritual path. That is such a personal decision. But the thing that I know is that for many of us highly sensitive people, we feel like this world wasn't built for us. Or really the way that it's often put to me is, I don't feel like I was built to be here. I don't feel like I was built for this. And I look around at the way we've set up our culture. I look around at the norms that we have in the values, you know, the predominant values of our culture. And, you know, and I respond like, you weren't. (laughs) You weren't made for this. None of us really were made to be living in a culture that's evolved quite this way. I mean, you yes, you could say that everything is perfect and of course we were meant to be here. And yes, there is a sliver of truth to that too. But I would say, yeah, you're meant to do so much more. You're meant to help us get out of these um, norms and values and ideas and see beyond, see into the magic, reconnect magic to the earth, reconnect the starlight to the earth light, to see beyond the veil. And I know that for highly sensitive people, our transcendent, our transcendent needs are vitally important to understanding an embodied way of living. 
Meaning if our transcend our transcendental or our transcendent needs are not meant, not met, nothing else makes sense. And that always feels really backwards to people who are not highly sensitive. But I know, at least for me, so if I'm, if I'm speaking and you're saying this is just not true for me, Anna, then yes, you are right. <laughs> What's true for you is true for you. But I know that for me, the more I allowed myself to be wild and weird and magical and to embrace that everything that I notice on the subtle plane is real. Again, within the practices of clearing my ego and clearing my mind and working with the teacher and everything so that I'm not just getting carried away in my own delusions, but, but really noticing that these signs, these synchronicities, this path is just as real as everything else. The more satisfying my human life became. So I really believe that. I believe that all of these subtle things, these subtle places where we reside, the way that we're able to artfully place words together, to channel ideas, to creatively solve, to notice that which is unnoticeable by most is just as important as everything else. I'm going to leave you with that, my friends. Have a lovely new moon. Enjoy your time, and I'll be back on the full moon, I promise. Farewell. Thanks again for listening to the show. All of the show notes, links, and references can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you'd like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn about my membership or school, please visit my website at www.sensitivityuncensored.com.